Hello there, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of the Liberators Network podcast. My name is Christian Verwijs, and I'm here today with my partner, Barry. Yes, hello, everyone. This is me, Barry Overday. So you're not just listening to me, which is great, because I can imagine that you're completely bored with just hearing me, and now we have Barry and me, which is even better. Um, we're here today to talk about a new feature that we released for the Zombie Scrum survey. Um, it, which has everything to do with stakeholders and it's closely connected to our book, The Zombie Scrum Survival Guide. It's also connected very strongly to some of the experiments and the strengths that we've been publishing this week. So we want to take this episode to explain why stakeholders are so important for Scrum teams and how the survey and the strengths that we created help you work more closely with your stakeholders, which is really one of the best ways to overcome Zombie Scrum. Um, so where would you like to start, Barry? What's a good starting point? Yeah, I think we the, the recent feature that we build in, uh, which gives stakeholders the opportunity to also uh, participate in the Scrum Team Survey, I think that's a good starting point to give a bit of context, what it is and, and, and why we included it in the survey. Mm-hmm. So maybe you can uh, share yeah. a bit about that one. So just a very brief overview, we'll dig a bit deeper into this later in the episode, but what you can do and what you could already do in the Scrum Team Survey is to participate with your team to get a score on a number of topics. For example, psychological safety in your team, team autonomy, cross-functionality, value focus of your team. Um, It was already possible to participate as your team, but what we've added now is the perspective of stakeholders. So what you can do when you've done the survey for your team, you can invite stakeholders to also give their perspective, which is a great way to see if you're actually on the right track, because it could be that your team feels they're delivering a lot of value, but your stakeholders feel otherwise. Or maybe your team feels that the quality of their work is very high, but your stakeholders feel that quality is lacking or responsiveness. Maybe you think as a team that you're really responsive to the needs of your stakeholders, but it turns out that your stakeholders don't feel that way. So we really want to create transparency around any gaps that exist there and start the conversation between you, your team and your stakeholders. Um, So that's what you can do now in the Scrum Team Survey. When you've completed it once for your team, you can send a link to your stakeholders. They get a much shorter version of the survey to complete. I think it's only 20 questions or something. And at the end, you receive an email and the profile for your team is updated with the, uh, with the results of all your stakeholders together. So when will the stakeholder become visible in your individual survey? Is there a certain amount of minimum stakeholders that you need to, uh, to include? That's a leading question. I like it. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes there is. Uh, and it's, a, it's, a, it's good to, to clarify this because we already got some questions about this. But we only show scores for stakeholders when at least three stakeholders have participated. The same goes for your team, by the way. So you only see your team scores when, only, when at least three members of your team have participated. This has everything to do with anonymity. We really want to make sure that people can anonymously enter the survey, give their honest scores, their honest feedback. Um, and they do, we don't want to single out individual results. So in the profile, you're never going to see individual results for the members of your team or for the stakeholders. You can see your own individual scores, but for your team and for the stakeholders, it will always be an average score. And if we would already show you the scores for two stakeholders, it could be possible theoretically to figure out 
which stakeholder gave which scores and we don't want you to do that and we also don't want stakeholders to feel that way so that's why we have a limit of at least three stakeholders cool so while we will were building this new feature um i for myself was reflecting on my own role as a scrum master as part of a scrum team and i tried to figure out so if i would have filled in this survey for the teams that i was part of who would be the stakeholders that i would invite and i have to say that the answer wasn't always clear to me or that easy to uh, to give because in some cases it was very obvious and those were the experiences that i gained when i worked for a web agency and i was part of a development team and the stakeholder was the client that basically hired us to build a product a software development product for them in those examples it would have been very clear that the stakeholder was the client and i could just um, invite maybe four or five uh, people from the client and ask them to fill in the stakeholder survey. However, I've been also been part of many other uh, projects and I think the pattern in those projects were that most of the time it was an in-company project. So the development was done within an organization and the product itself was also being used in the organization itself. And when reflecting on those types of products, I'm actually not sure who the stakeholders were. For example, I was also part of a very large product. Um, it was an airline in the Netherlands, uh, quite a large one. I don't really uh, have to explain more about that <laughs> one. And the product was built together with external parties, but there were tons of departments within the own organization that well at least gave me the impression that they had an opinion about what we were doing but if if i would invite all of those people probably i would have had to invite about more than 100 plus mm -hmm. people to fill in the stakeholder uh, to fill in the survey from the perspective of the stakeholders so so is there anything that 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 could help uh, Chris, if people that are listening the, uh, to this podcast and they're like, hmm, yeah, I have such a product as well. I'm also not really sure who the stakeholder is that, that I should include in the survey. Is there anything that, that we can maybe give them as, as, as that might be helpful? Well, to make the I think so. Um, but maybe also nice to say, I had a discussion last weekend with my wife and she's a marketeer. And we were talking about, is a marketeer a stakeholder? If you're developing a product, is the person who does the marketing for that product a stakeholder? Mm. Um, and my own experience in Scrum Teams is that the marketeers would usually be stakeholders. So they would show up for the sprint review. They would give their thoughts on what we were creating and they would give their feedback and we would have to do something with that. But the more I thought about this, the more I think about this, the less I'm convinced that someone like a marketeer is a stakeholder, they should be a team member. They should be on the team because they are building the product with you and they don't actually have a personal stake in the product that you're creating because they're not paying for it. They're not going to use it. So their feedback may be useful to create a good product, but I think they should be team members, not, um, not stakeholders. We also give some tools. We didn't prepare this, Barry, so I'm surprising you with this one, but um, 
In our book, we actually give three questions that help you pinpoint which are the actual stakeholders of your product. And I think it's helpful to, to give them. So the first question is, is this person using or going to use the product on a regular basis? So someone is probably not the most important stakeholder if they use your product only once a year for a minor task, mm -hmm. right? So that's, that's one criterion. The second one is, is this person investing significantly in the development of the product? I think that's a good question too. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it, it's a question of what is investment. So in this case, I would say it's money or it's time. So if you're investing a lot of time in the development of this product, then you're probably a stakeholder too. And finally, is this person deeply invested in solving a challenge that your product addresses? Mm -hmm. Do they actually have a stake in solving the problem, right? Yeah. So if you look back on your experience, what would have been something, what's maybe a group of stakeholders that you, with this in mind, that you probably wouldn't have considered stakeholders? Um, yeah, just while you were sharing the questions, I was, my mind was spinning like, okay, let's take the project into account. Who would have, uh, who, who were stakeholders that I would have invited and maybe who not? I think there, there was a lot of management around there um, that were highly interested in the project and also had an important role. But those were not the ones with, let's say, the bag of money that were really investing in the project and they were also not really using it. So I think that would, would have been a group that I would definitely keep informed because they have an important uh, role and their opinion matters. But I think those who would not have been the people that I would have shared the Scrum team survey with. So there, thinking back, there was um, a client that invested money in the project. So those would have been the ones that I would have shared it with. But also, and that's interesting, I didn't even took that group into account. Um, those were the people that were actually going to use the, the, the products, but those would be the people walking around in the airport. It's interesting because they really have a stake for they only they can determine if the product that, that, that they are going to use is, is valuable. So I think, I'm not sure how in this example, but, but it is good to use these questions mm -hmm. because you might end up with, let's say the unusual suspects that might, uh, might be very important to share mm -hmm. their perspective or their opinion about how the Scrum team is doing. Yeah, and it can relate to scrum teams that find it difficult to talk to actual users because those are probably busy people. They're not super interested. They're interested in the product and they probably need it, but they're not super interested in spending a lot of time with your team on it. Mm. Like the people in the airport, they're probably going somewhere. So, um, but then maybe something like guerrilla testing could be a good way to at least do some testing where you set up a small kiosk maybe on the airport to just for five minutes ask people for feedback just that's a thought that i yeah. was was yeah. getting while listening to you yeah and recently we also published a uh, i think also as a podcast episode and as a blog post it's an experiment um, about how to create a stakeholder map and it's actually also so one of our patrons discovered that um it's a, i think it's gilan hope i pronounce it correctly he discovered that it's a useful practice, useful experiment to conduct before you do the Scrum Team survey because it might also help you uh, discover who your uh, true stakeholders are. Can you maybe uh, share what uh, creating the stakeholder map is about, Chris? Yeah, sure. 
So <clears throat> the stakeholder map, we did not invent it. It's, I, 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 we really tried to figure out who invented it, but we couldn't. <laughs> this is just one of those models out there that, that it's not attributed well. So if, if you know who created this one, let us know, because then we'll give attribution where it's due. Um, but the stakeholder map is basically a way to categorize your stakeholders into roughly four quadrants. And you have two axes. The first one is the stake in the product, which is either low or it's very high. And the influence that they have over the product and its development, which can range from low to very high. So Barry already mentioned the term audience. Um, and even though I don't think you would even call your stakeholders audience, in this case, what we're talking about is the people that are sometimes considered stakeholders, but don't have any influence over the uh, product and they don't actually have a stake in it. These are the ones we would consider the audience. Now you also have the people who have a very high influence over the product, but they don't have a real stake in it. And sometimes these could be people in a management position, for example, they have a high degree of power. They can basically force certain changes but they're not actually going to use the product and they're not investing their own money in it. So these would be the latents. These are people that, that are latently involved in your development. Then we also have the people that have a high stake in a product, but they have low influence. And these are what we call defenders. And I think usually what you're going to see there are the people that are using your product very actively. So these are the people that probably use it on a day-to-day -day basis. They will defend your product if they like it, um, but they don't have a lot of influence over its development because they're, they don't have the same power as the manager that I just mentioned. And finally, you have the promoters, which is the quadrant of stakeholders that have high influence over the product and they have a high stake in your product. Um, and this quadrant, this model gives you a starting point for thinking about which groups of stakeholders to include, but also how to interact with them. And I was curious, Barry, how, what's your thoughts on the different ways to, in, to include those stakeholders? What do you think? Can you elaborate on your question? Well, um, the, basically for the four types of stakeholder groups, you have different strategies that we think that are helpful. Mm -hmm. um, what would be a good way for you to, for example, the promoters, how would you involve them in, in your development as a scrum team? Uh... Well, let's say the promoters have a high stake in a product and they have a high influence uh, as well. So for me, the pr promoters would be the ones that if I would organize a sprint review, they should definitely uh, be present. Yeah. Uh, they should definitely have an active role um, in your sprint review. And even, even better, I would also include them in product backlog refinement. So make transparent about the ideas that you have in, uh, um, in your product backlog and include them in, is, is this also something that you consider important, et cetera. Um, also as a product owner, these are the ones that you should include in your, your uh, release schedule. Uh, when, what is the best way or the best moment to do a, another release? Mm -hmm. So your promoters are the ones uh, with whom you, uh, maybe even on a daily basis are in contact with. I like that. Yeah, that's very active involvement, right? And yeah, yeah. Basically yeah. constantly checking with them, maybe not with all of them at the same time, but at least you're always working with, with some of them uh, throughout development. Yeah, yeah then we I have say to... The, 
Go ahead. Yeah, I would say that the Leydens, uh, if I pronounce it correctly, I would say they have influence on the project, uh, but not really a stake. Not to make it more like a generic, but I would say management is often a good example of someone that is a, a um, maybe the latest, uh, um, and they, you should definitely keep them informed. You could, uh, but they might not even want to be informed like on a minor level about the product. It might not even be relevant, but those are the ones that, that are interested in, in how the product is, is doing, but they don't have a true stake in the product itself. Mm -hmm. so I would say just keep them informed. Yeah, I think so too. For example, an enterprise architect could also be a good example yeah. of this quadrant. So they they may have a lot of power over development of the product, but they don't have a, a real personal stake in it. Mm. Um, so keeping them informed is a good way, right? And, and I like that. I think what we also say is that when you keep them informed, um, they may eventually become promoters um, mm. because they may actually start using the product or investing in it personally. Um, so this is also nice about the stakeholder map. You also have some strategies for how to move stakeholders slowly from one quadrant to another. Mm -hmm. um, and how about the, the, you have the defenders. What, what would you, how would you include those? Yeah, I was just thinking about, so what would be an example of a defender? Do you already have something in mind, Chris? Well, it's it's a the, 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 it's one of those corporate terms, the power user, <laughs> mm. or the the key user. Uh, I think that these are good examples of defenders. These are the people that use the product on a day to day basis. Um, they they need it for their work, um, but they don't have a high level of influence over it. Mm. So these are really good people to invite to your sprint reviews because they use your product or they pay for it uh, themselves. The, the, just making sure you have a selection of defenders in your sprint reviews, it's going to change the entire dynamic of your development uh, process. I think that's great. Yeah. Keeping them up to date is really important. Um, sharing ideas with them, asking them what they need. Um, that, that's a great way to involve them. Yeah. And then can we say everyone else is audience? Is that fair? I think I, think I like in Scrum that you sometimes have to be clear about things. It creates focus. I think, yes, we should say these, the rest of the people are audience. And we don't mean that in a demeaning way. Like your opinion doesn't matter. It's more like in Scrum, you have to make a lot of hard decisions about what's important for your product. You have only so much time and, and resources to spend. So the best thing you can do is listen to your promoters, listen to your defenders, everyone else is less important and it sounds harsh, but I think that that's one of the pitfalls for many scrum teams is that they listen to too many people. Mm. Um, and ultimately everyone loses because the product will be low quality, will have too many features, will become very difficult to use. So I, yes, I think audience okay. is, is there as audience. So the recommendation that we have for the people listening is to use the stakeholder map to create transparency about, so who are the people that are involved in our product development endeavor, how could we distribute them amongst those four quadrants? And for each of the four quadrants, how can we collaborate with them in the best way possible? So once they've done it, then they have a, a clear distribution, like these are our promoters. So these are the people that we should definitely involve in, in, in the Scrum Team survey. What, what can they already tell to their stakeholders about, so what to expect? Can you maybe give, you already gave a high level description of the Scrum Team survey and the new feature of the stakeholders. 
but can you maybe dig a bit deeper into mm -hmm. what, what, what this new feature is about? Well, I can tell the story from the perspective of a stakeholder. Like what, mm -hmm. what is the experience of the survey going to be like for them? So maybe first on a high level, the survey essentially measures or compares your scrum team with all the other scrum teams in our database on five dimensions. Ship it fast, improve continuously, build what stakeholders need, self-organize and valuable outcomes. The first four are also the core topics of the Zombie Scrum Survival Guide. And the final one, the valuable outcomes, that's what it's all about. That's why we're doing Scrum. Now in the survey, in your profile, you can also create, uh, see a breakdown. So for example, for Ship It Fast, there are a couple of topics that we measure, um, like quality is one. Uh, let me check another one. Refinement, release frequency, release automation. These are topics that we measure that we aggregate into Ship It Fast. You can see a breakdown for that. Now, what's going to happen for stakeholders is that you can invite them with a link. So you, you basically share as a scrum master, product owner, or scrum team member, you share a link with them. And when they go to that link, they get a short survey, which is only 20 questions, 20 something questions. We're not going to ask them to give their impression of your team, for example, about the degree of autonomy they have, because probably for stakeholders, it's hard or impossible to tell. What we are going to ask them are questions that, about things that they probably have a good idea of. What's the quality that they experience in your product? So we ask them some questions about that. What's the level of engagement that you as a stakeholder have with the Scrum team? How responsive is this Scrum team to your needs? So when you have a new idea, is there someone ready or available to talk with you about that idea? Or do you have to wait for months until someone is available to you or even until that uh, idea is realized. Release frequency is also something we ask questions about. Like, is the release frequency of this team sufficient enough for you? Or is it way too slow? And is it making you miss important opportunities? And finally, team value. What is the value that's coming out of this team for you? Are you satisfied with that value? Or is it less than what the team thinks? Now, when this stakeholder has completed that short survey, uh, you as the, the, the person who invited them receive an email that someone participated and your profile will be updated accordingly. For stakeholders, this is sort of where it ends, at least the survey, um, because after that, the question is for the scrum team to actually make sense of the results. So when you have at least three stakeholders who participated, you see the, their score, their average scores in the profile, and you can determine as a team, what does it mean? And our strong recommendation is to not do it only with your team, but actually invite your stakeholders to make sense of those results together, because then you have maximum transparency, and that actually allows you to start the conversation that's really important. Um, and I think, Barry, we created a pretty nice string this week uh, yeah. of liberating structures that actually supports that process yeah. as well. I think we actually have two strengths come to think of it. Like the, yeah. there's the sense-making and there's the how to involve your stakeholders in product strategy. Yeah. Maybe we should start with the, the sense-making one. Yeah. Um, what does that look like? Can you, the, is there an overview that we can give to our listeners about what, what that looks like? And the sense-making one, which one do you mean? It's the one with the what, so, what, now, what, I think. Mm, yeah. Let me, I'm just going to check it out for a moment. I had the other one in mind. Well, 
you already said it has the whatsoever now what in it. So the sense making, if you're looking for it, it, it is called diagnose your team together with the zombie scrum symptom checker. It's a do it yourself workshop that you can just uh, download from uh, from our web shop. But yeah, you also free. have to. Uh, yeah, it's a free one. You also have the link included uh, once you've uh, participated in the in the survey. And what it does basically is you receive a detailed breakdown of your team profile. The pitfall could be that you are already going to jump to conclusions. So what does this mean? What do we need to change? And the liberating structure, what, so what, now what, uh, prevents you to already jump to conclusions and maybe uh, do wrong interpretations based on, on the data. Um, so what, so what, now what is about first within with your group, and this could also be, uh, of course, together with your stakeholders, focus on the raw facts. What is it that we notice? What is it that we see happening based on, on uh, the results of our team? And maybe Chris, do you already have some examples of what, what could be examples of a what that a well, team might see in their profile? It could be, for example, that a team feels that their release frequency is very high or maybe it is actually very high factually, but the score for the stakeholders is much lower. That's interesting. So apparently the perception of the release frequency is different. That's just the observation. Yeah. We're not going to jump to any conclusions yet, but that could be an observation. The same goes for the other ones like team value. Maybe the team thinks they're delivering a lot of value and stakeholders score much lower or even the other way around. That's interesting too. Um, but those are just two examples of yeah, things that you can, can see. So based on those two examples and, and based on other facts that you can extract from, from the team profile, then you can start a conversation about the so what. So given our observations, given the facts that we can see in our team profile, what does it mean? What does it mean for our relationship with the stakeholders? What does it mean for how we use Scrum? What does it mean for working empirically as a team? So in the second round, you are going to focus on so how, what, what conclusions can we draw based on all the facts that we've gathered in the first round. And, and then the third round is going to be the now what. That's the moment where you can discuss, okay, given the facts, given the conclusions that we've made, now, what is a good next step for us as a team? Now, what is a good next step for the way in which we collaborate with our stakeholders? What are things that we can, can improve? So this sense-making workshop will help you in a very ordered way to yeah, basically make sense of the results um, of your team and uh, how the stakeholders filled in the survey. And you know what's so cool about this string is that the more we think about this, the more we realize how important it is to use your stakeholders also as allies in creating change in your organization. Because often it's very hard to do Scrum well. Your team doesn't have autonomy. They cannot do their own releases. They maybe have few ways to contact and interact with stakeholders. But what if you do a session like this, this with your stakeholders, you see that there's a lot of work to do. Your stakeholders also have a stake in your work. So they care about your ability as a team to deliver frequently, to deliver value to them. 
So your stakeholders are very natural allies to involve in the removal of impediments that you cannot control on your own. And especially the stakeholders that have a stake in your product and have high influence, those are really important people to, to involve in this part because then it becomes much easier to, to change the organization or at least the part that's important for you to become more effective with Scrum and to get out of zombie Scrum if that's the case for you. So I think it's a really cool string to, to use. Yeah. And besides this one, we also created another string. That's something that we will probably do more of in the upcoming periods. Um, the string that we created this week and already shared with you via webshop is how to involve your stakeholders in creating a product strategy. And I think this string ties in perfectly in the, let's see, in build what stakeholders need and valuable outcomes. I think for those two axes, well, let's say at least for those two axes, if you see that there's room for improvement, then the recommendation would be to, uh, to use this string. Basically, I would say this is a string that you should always do, at least at the start of a new product in the, uh, endeavor. Um, but you can also just do it uh, while you are already building the product and see if you are on the right track. And I think, it's, uh, I think the setup for a podcast doesn't really, isn't really helpful if we are going to explain a step-by-step -step approach on how to do this, uh, to do this string. So maybe, Chris, we can just share a couple of uh, high-level things that are included in the string and what the idea behind it is. Mm -hmm. That's a good approach. Yeah, I think you're a big fan of critical uncertainties, which is part of the, the string. Yeah. Just, I, I think most people are probably not familiar with it. And if you've done it before, it can be quite complex, but what, what, is, what is something that comes out of critical uncertainties for a scrum team when they do this with stakeholders? Uh, the future. <laughs> that sounds very, very vague. Well, sometimes what we see happening in organizations is that they prepare themselves together with the stakeholders and the Scrum team, maybe for, for one outcome. This is what we want to achieve with the product. And this is the, uh, the strategy that will help us achieve uh, the goal that we have in mind. But as many of you probably already have discovered, it's not always that clear and easy and simple. Um, so predicting the, uh, the strategy for your product and predicting the way in which you are going to build the product or achieve the purpose of the product that's often completely different than what you had in mind when you started so what we always encourage scrum teams to do together with the stakeholders is to try to prepare themselves for possible strategies that might unfold in in, in the near future and that's where uh, critical uncertainties comes in that's where critical uncertainties uh, well, basically will help you prepare you for well, the future that you don't know, that you can't predict upfront. But a good start is always start with nine whys. That's a liberating structure that helps you clarify the purpose. In this example, it helps you clarify the purpose of the product. Once you are on the same page about the purpose of the product, so the, and this is something you are involving your stakeholders with. So together with your stakeholders and your scrum team, you just mix up in small groups. Each one of you is gonna get their own thinking started about, okay, so what is it that I consider the purpose of the product? And together you combine it into one purpose statement. 
and that one purpose statement, that becomes the input for critical uncertainties. Mm. Nice. And critical uncertainties, it's quite a long exercise. This entire string that we've created is quite long, so you might need to include uh, one or two breaks in between because in total it will take you about three hours. Um, critical uncertainties has a couple of steps. First, the step one is based on the purpose that you've defined for your product. What are the most critical and uncertain factors? And Chris, do you maybe have an example of what could be a critical of uncertain factors that they could use? Well, for example, so, so one of the things that's important here is what is, if you consider our purpose, what's, what's uncertain and could mess up our, our ability to achieve the purpose. For example, um, the ability to reach stakeholders easily. Could be very easy to involve stakeholders. It could be, it could turn out to be very hard at some point in the future to involve the right stakeholders. So that could be one axis. Another axis could be um, if you, it, because the stakeholder question is a bit more internally focused. You could also ask something like how many competitors are there in the marketplace with similar products? So this could be many or it could be no, no one. And obviously that can change over time because that's what happens. Um, but that's exactly the point of critical uncertainties. Yeah. This will change over time. So it's better to think about it now, not create a detailed plan, but just what is a strategy that would help us if we have a lot of competing products and it's very hard for us to reach our stakeholders? Yeah. What would help us remain effective in that case? Maybe the strategy would be to pivot, to pivot your product into another group of stakeholders that's more easily accessible where you don't have competitors. That's, that's one example of that. Yeah. And then, for example, the stakeholders and uh, the competitors, they become the, the, the topics for the axes. You create two axes based on when you create uh, two axes, four scenarios emerge. And those are the four scenarios that you are going to focus on together with your Scrum team and your stakeholders. And for those four scenarios, you are going to determine uh, the behavior. How do we know that a certain scenario is going on? For example, how do we know that we ended up in a scenario where we have a not so good collaboration with the stakeholders um, and we are under pressure of a high number of competitors that are in the market? Mm -hmm. How would we know that that's going on? So for each of those four scenarios, you're going to determine the behavior. Um, the next step would be to give it a name, to give each scenario a, a name by which you can recognize it so that you only have to, to maybe just mention the, the name Love Boat and then everyone knows that we are in the Love Boat scenario. That means that we ended up in this certain scenario, so this is what we need to do. And the third step would be for each of the four scenarios, you're going to determine strategies, practices and experiments so that once that scenario becomes a reality, the Scrum team members and the stakeholders are not looking at you like, ah, what do we need to do? No worries, you already gave it enough thought, so this is the strategy that you could choose to, uh, mm -hmm. to succeed or to become successful in that. Yeah, and, and when uh, teams have done the critical uncertainties, we give them also some guidance on what to do after that, right? So there's, I'm not going to give all the details because th those are in the string. Mm -hmm. um, which you can you can find in our web shop, but 
Um, what's helpful there is that we're guiding the teams to use those strategies that they discovered in critical uncertainties and develop them a bit more so that they can actually use them when the situation arises. Um, but in general, we can imagine that it's, it's, it's a challenging string, as Barry already said, it's, it's quite long. So we've done a lot of work and uh, to create a detailed string, which makes it easy for you to do this, even if you haven't done critical uncertainties before, even if you, haven't, you don't have that much experience with liberating structures, you should still be able to do this if you pair up with someone else, maybe your product owner, that would be an ideal candidate for this one. Yep. And just don't be overwhelmed by all the steps. Just use a step-by-step -step approach and uh, you'll get there, you'll get it. So I think we've given the listeners some a, a bit of a taste of what we're working on at the moment, which is a strong focus on helping Scrum teams find their stakeholders and to work with that with the stakeholders to create transparency around what's happening and to improve. We've given them the survey, which now allows you to do that. We've given the stakeholder map as a potential way to identify our stakeholders. Uh, and we've given them two strings, which are all available in our web shop. One for free and the other one, we ask a small amount of money because it takes a lot of time to, to create those strings. Um, so there's a lot you can do if you're listening to this episode to actually start involving your stakeholders. And that kind of brings me to the next steps, Barry, because we have quite a lot of other mm. ideas yeah. of where this might lead. So what is, can, can, you, can we give the listeners a bit of a... Yeah, a, what I'm personally quite excited about is to also include the perspective for example, management or HR, or maybe the sales department to also ask them to uh, complete a version of the Scrum Team survey. And what's important is to emphasize that we are not, if we are gonna build this feature, we are not going to ask management, sales and HR to give their opinion about the Scrum Team, but we are gonna ask them, so what are you as a manager or as a, for example, account manager doing to support the Scrum Team in becoming more successful as a team or with Scrum, or with managing risk or delivering more value. So I'm very interested in, in what would become possible if we well ask the include those perspectives as well. Because in essence, the intention is to create transparency about the state of the Scrum team and the state of Scrum and to help uh, those people have a good conversation about what could be changed, what could be improved. Mm -hmm and hopefully make it easier to actually have those conversations because right now we often run into scrum teams and we've had that experience too, where you know it's not, not quite okay, but you don't have anything to back that up. Um, or the other way around, there's something not going well and you don't know about it because it, somehow you're not sensing that or you're not seeing that. And we hope that with our survey, we can at least create, help you create that transparency and give you a more data-based, more objective way to start that conversation with everyone in your organization. So there's a lot of cool stuff coming. Um, in all honesty, the stakeholder feature that we released uh, this week, it's an experiment. So we're going to track how many people are actually using it. We have the full expectation that every Scrum team on the world will be completely fully interested in their stakeholders and will work as hard as they can to involve all their stakeholders in this survey because that should be really important. 
it might turn out that that assumption is wrong, that scrum teams don't really care about their stakeholders or don't know how to involve them or don't want to involve them. And then we'll have to pivot into other features, um, but we'll see. It's just a way for us to see if, if teams like this feature and if, they, if it's helpful to them. Any closing words for you, Barry, before we move into the ending of the episode, closing? Well, mostly that I'm very interested in learning uh, from the experiment, the experiences uh, from the people that have included their, their stakeholders and really excited to learn about what was it like for them, for the Scrum team, but also for the, uh, for the stakeholders. So uh, always feel free to reach out to us and uh, share your ideas and experiences uh, with us. Yeah, so in terms of the stakeholder map, I hope that you as, as our listeners will be our defenders <laughs> in the stakeholder <laughs> map and that we can involve you in development. Maybe even some promoters who are, uh, who are maybe pa as patrons supporting us in the development of this product. And because that's the final thing I want to mention, you can use the survey for free. It doesn't cost you anything. It's fully anonymous, so you don't have to enter your name. We do ask for an email address, which we only need to send you the profile. There's a lot of calculations going on that we cannot do instantaneously. So we send you the profile a minute later, usually a few minutes later. Um, we are building this free, but we are a company, Barry and I do need to pay some bills. So we do have uh, a patrons who are supporting us in the development, both of the survey, as well as a lot of the other content that we create. So if you think it's important what we do, if it's helping you, please consider maybe, well, investing a little bit in the development as a stakeholder uh, by becoming a Patreon, um, a patreon.com slash liberators. We're very happy with whatever you have to support us. And as Barry said, your feedback is also a great way to support us. I think that's it. Yep. Thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening. If you liked the episode, please rate it, review it, share it with a friend, share it with your team, maybe to listen about what this stakeholder feature could mean for them. Give it a try, let us know what happened. Thank you for listening. See you next time. See you next bye -bye. time, bye-bye.